0: I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Patience is not a sexy virtue. Indeed, none of the virtues or fruits of the Spirit mentioned by Paul in Galatians 5 is especially sexy, flashy, or exciting. Qualities such as charity, patience, kindness, meekness, and faith sound rather like the names of Victorian heroines quietly sitting in the parlor doing their needlework. Patience is passive. By definition, patience does not take action, but allows others to act while she waits dutifully on the sidelines. She frankly sounds just a bit boring. Who wants to be patient when one can be out in the world doing things? But let's take Patience out of the parlor and put her back where she belongs, on the front lines of a battlefield. That is where Paul sees her. The fifth chapter of Galatians describes a situation of what might be called apocalyptic warfare, in which the desires of the flesh are locked in mortal combat with the desires of the spirit. Both desire, and they desire us. In Paul's letters, the flesh and the spirit are the two mutually opposed principles contending over the human heart. An audience of Wycliffe students and faculty doesn't really need to be reminded that, for Paul, it is the flesh against the spirit, not the body against the spirit. But I will remind you of that anyway. The human body is, to be sure, the site of some of the most deadly fighting in this contest. But in the Christian life, it's not the body per se that's the problem. It's the flesh, which is to say the whole human person, body, mind, spirit, intellect, emotions, the whole package, the whole person having become an enemy of God. The flesh is me, and it's not me. See Romans 7. It's me set on a path of fragmentation and self-destruction. The Spirit, on the other hand, is not my Spirit. It is God's Spirit, willing only my good. The larger issue at stake in Galatians, of course, is the freedom of the gospel over against enslavement to the law. This is more than just a doctrinal question, although it's surely not less than that. It matters deeply whether or not we are preaching Christ crucified or what Paul calls another gospel. But hand in hand with the question of true teaching is the quality of the Galatians' life together. The battlefield I spoke of earlier is not only the Galatians' individual bodies. It is the ecclesial body, the church. The church is not, or at least should not be like the world. The world, or the present age, is by definition, we might say, the zone of the flesh, the place where people devour each other, the place of factions and dissensions and quarrels. If we had forgotten this fact, we were reminded of it by the U.S. Supreme Court confirmation hearings a few weeks ago, when we were treated to the unedifying spectacle of a human polity, a human community, tearing itself apart before our very eyes. But the church is or should be the place of the spirit a people displaying the fruits of the Spirit. And just as the Spirit wills our good, so we as Spirit-bearers must will each other's good, manifesting the virtues of love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, and self-control. So where does patience specifically fit in with all of this? What does it mean to be patient Christianly? Though we could spend a great deal of time on this subject, and I know you are all impatient to get to class, so I will content myself with just three points. First, we exercise patience by receiving God's own patience as a gift. God himself is the patient one. In the course of writing this sermon, I learned from my colleague, Professor Sider Hamilton, that Paul's word for patience, makrothumia, is a literal translation of the Hebrew word for God's forbearance or long suffering. It appears in the reading from Exodus 34, "The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, macrothumos, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness." This is not to deny, of course, that God can also be appropriately described as angry and even impatient. God is impatient with evil. He wills its non-existence. He wills to be victorious over it. And yet, in the midst of an evil world, God makes space for us, his creatures, to live, love, flourish, struggle, and yes, even sin, so that ultimately we may be drawn into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Receive then the gift of God's patience with you, for it is your life and your hope. Second, we exercise patience by making time for each other, rather than ignoring each other in the rush to get on with our urgent and oh-so-important projects. In a few weeks' time, many Wycliffe faculty and doctoral students will be heading to the annual meeting of the American Academy of Religion Society of Biblical Literature in Denver. If you've ever gone to an academic conference or any meeting of a professional society, you will know the crucial role played by name badges. Quite frankly, one of the chief functions of a name badge is so that people can quickly determine whether you are important enough to talk to. Now, if you are Tom Wright or Sarah Coakley or Kevin Van Hooser, people will definitely make time for you. Whereas if you're some lost, lonely graduate student, it's rather less likely that they will do so. Being seen talking to top scholars confers status, whereas talking to lowly grad students does not. This isn't Wright's or Coakley's or Van Hooser's fault. It's fallen human nature, which is willing to make time for others only if it looks like they'll burnish our sense of our own importance. My brothers and sisters, let it not be so among us. Rather, let us use the freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus to be patient. Let us give the gifts of time and attention to those from whom we have nothing to gain. Let us be patient with friends and family members whom we love, but who hurt and disappoint us. Let us show macrothumia towards all as God has shown macrothumia towards us. Third, we exercise patience by our patient bearing of the cross. Christian life and Christian patience are cruciform because the cross is the very shape of God's presence among us. To be a person in Christ, in Christ is to share in his suffering. To be sure, this language of bearing the cross and of redemptive suffering is somewhat unfashionable nowadays, to say the least. Even in some Christian circles, it is despised for its supposedly pessimistic valuation of humanity and negative impact on our self-esteem. The cross, it would seem, is the ultimate turn-off. When people say things like this, you have to wonder just what Bible it is they are reading or what world they inhabit. The Scriptures are far from valorizing or romanticizing suffering in the abstract. Nor does the Apostle Paul seem to have an especially low opinion of himself. Rather, what Scripture invites us to do is to take the suffering that is part of the human condition, a feature of the world God has made, and yes, in that sense, God has a lot to answer for, and fold that suffering into Christ. By taking up into his life, by being taken up into his life, a life utterly given over to the Father in love, we ourselves become agents of love and sacrifice on behalf of others. Thus Paul instructs his Galatian congregation to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. To bear each other's burdens just is to live a life of eschatological patience, and so to eagerly wait for the new creation. This is anything but a passive, resigned, or fatalistic attitude towards life. To be patient is not to want some other better life, but just this life where the Lord summons you to faithfulness and obedience and love. It means living in accordance with what Karl Barth beautifully calls the hastening that waits. Wait patiently, therefore, so that God may bless you richly with the fruits of the Spirit. Amen.